Father, thank you for this morning. Lord, there's so many things we don't understand about this life. So many things that we struggle with. And yet, Lord, you are sovereign over all our lives, every moment, every thought, every experience. And you love us with a grace that wants to change our lives, to bring a joy, a fulfillment, a rest, a peace that our hearts long for. And Lord, we acknowledge this morning that we'll never find that peace or that rest except in you alone. So, Father, we pray for our children as they hear the teachers this morning, that you'd bless them as they teach about you, that they would indeed hear and see you in them and be drawn to you, to trust you. We pray, Father, for us this morning as we open your word, that we would open our hearts as well. We would hear you speak to us today. We'd be drawn into your rest and your peace and find our heart's desire that we cannot find anywhere else. We pray these things in Jesus' strong name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, like Danny said, um, the weather is changing. Summer is coming, believe it or not. How many of you enjoyed that sunshine yesterday? Wasn't that great? I went out and stood in the sunshine and thought, oh, there is a sun, after all. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, last week I came across a, an unedited list of statements written by children about the Bible. And I thought you might enjoy hearing a few of them. One little guy said this, The Egyptians were all drowned in the desert. Afterwards, Moses went up on Mount Sinai to get the Ten Amendments. A Christian should have only one spouse. This is called monotony. <laughs> now, a little kid wrote this. Now remember, Moses died before he ever reached Canada. Joshua led the Hebrews in the Battle of Jericho. <laughs> the greatest miracle in the Bible is when Joshua told his son to stand still and he obeyed him. Syntax is the money collected at churches from sinners. And the fifth commandment is humor your father and mother. <laughs> you know, we shouldn't be surprised that our children uh, don't always get it right because we don't always get it right as adults either. In fact, probably one of the greatest areas of contention when it comes to getting it right has to do with the day in which we worship. Is it Saturday? Is it Sunday? What day is the Sabbath? And what is it all about, anyhow? Which day is the right one? Did it change somewhere along the way? Well, this morning I want to look at what God has to say about the Sabbath. What I'm most concerned for you and for me is that not that we are able to argue the Bible but we're able to apply the Bible to our lives. And this is no less true when it comes to the whole teaching of what the Bible talks about, Shabbat or Sabbath. What is it? When is it? How does it apply to our lives? All along, I've told you that the Ten Commandments really were written for the home. They were written for mom and dad. 
And this is no less true when it comes to the fourth commandment. Now, most of us, as we hear the fourth commandment, are familiar with it in such a way that we only know a portion of it. We think it refers to simply one day out of the week. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, most of us are familiar with the Sabbath being simply one day of the week, and that's really what the fourth commandment is all about. But in reality, this is the longest commandment of all the Ten Commandments, and it barely scratches the surface. There is much more to this commandment. Listen to the rest. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Shabbat, the Sabbath day of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. God has a lot to say in this commandment. He doesn't simply talk about a day of rest, but he also talks about six days of work before that time. You see, this commandment is not simply an ethic about rest, it is also about an ethic of work. It also reminds us of the dignity and the freedom of every single individual who has ever existed. That there is value in who they are, and there is value in their work. Whether they are a lowly manual laborer, or they're a lofty, high-powered executive, the Bible makes it very clear that God both understands both roles and has personally been a part of each one of those roles. In other words, when God created the heavens and the earth, the Bible says He formed the heavens and the earth with His hands. That when he made the Garden of Eden, there was dirt under his fingernails. God understands manual labor. At the same time, God sovereignly rules over all creation. He understands every role and every form of work. And because we're made in his image, no matter what our work is, that work has dignity, has value, and is important. This verse, this commandment has so much to say far more than we have time to unpack today. So much so, I want to take a couple of Sundays to unpack it for you. But for today, what I want to do is I want to look at two basic questions surrounding the fourth commandment. First of all, what is it? What is the commandment that we're to rest on the Shabbat? And second, how does observing it help us maintain balance in our lives? So what is the Sabbath? What does it mean? Well, the name Sabbath, or the word Sabbath, simply means to rest or to cease. In Genesis, it says when God finished creating everything on this seventh day, on the sixth day, on the seventh day, he rested. And that word for rest, we get the word Shabbat, or rest, or to cease from labor. Now, God didn't need to rest. He can never be exhausted or burned out. But he knew we would, and so he made us in his image And he set the example for us to take a day of rest. It was Israel's failure to understand and obey this commandment that cost them 70 years of exile. Remember, the Israelites were banned from their land, exiled from their land for 70 years in Babylon. 
And the reason they were is because God initiated not only a command to have a day of rest every seventh day in their week, but also for the land to have a rest every seven years. For 490 years, the Israelites failed to abide by that Sabbath that God had instituted in the law to give the land rest every seventh year. So God then gave them 70 years of exile, <clears throat> one for every year. And the 470, or 490 years of the seven years, they failed to give the land a rest. Even the Jews in Jesus' day still failed to understand this. They had no problem watering their animals on a Saturday or a Shabbat, but they failed to recognize that man has needs as well. And so they condemned Jesus for healing people on the Sabbath. And Jesus reminded them that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, what Jesus was saying is this, that the Sabbath was meant to meet the needs of the individual, not the individual created to meet the needs of the Sabbath. God gave us the Sabbath not to burden us, but to benefit us. A day of rest is literally a gift from God. Now, I know that there are some of us who perhaps grow, have grown up thinking that the day of rest, this day of worship, is to be the dullest, boringest possible day you could have of the entire week. It's filled with a list of what you cannot do. But Jesus reminds us that the Sabbath was given to us not to burden us, but to benefit us. It's a gift from God. So how is it so? Well, it's both a reward and a reminder. It's a reward that after six days of labor, there's a day of rest. You know there's going to be a time when you can cease from your labor. Now, those of you who are workaholics don't understand this. But if you've been a workaholic for very long, you know that there's a price that you're going to pay. Your family's going to pay that price. You're going to pay that price. And so God says, I want you to observe this gift of rest one day a week for you, for your family, and for me. Years ago, when my wife and I were attending graduate school, she was the faculty secretary of some 15 faculty, all the professors who were there teaching. And most of the students there were in their second or third career. They're well into their 30s. They had full-time jobs as well as full-time classes. They were married, had children. They were, in a word, busy. As the faculty secretary, she was the kind of the conduit between the students and the, and the faculty. If they had a paper to turn in, they would hand it in to my wife, and then they would get to the, whatever professor needed to go to. And more often than not, a, a student would come to the desk, tired from putting in hour after hour after hour, finishing a project, he would bring the paper to the desk and he'd say, you know, when I'm done, when I graduate, I'm going to make up this time to my family. She heard that enough times that after a while she said, you know, no, you're not. What makes you think that when you graduate, you're going to be any less busier than you are right now? The truth is you're going to be even busier. And let me tell you, that's true. We had all kinds of luxurious time, even though we were working full time, even though we were taking classes full time. We had all kinds of time compared to when you get into the ministry. Time changes. God is simply saying this. I'm giving you a day of rest because I don't want you to have to apologize to your wife and to your kids down the road. You see, wrapped up in the whole idea of Sabbath is that God wants us to understand that God and our families have priority over our work. 
I want you to hear that again. The reason that God has given us the Sabbath, the day of rest, is to remind us that He has priority and our families have priority over our work. In case you didn't get that, we're going to continue to unpack that because it's something that's very important that we understand about this whole idea of rest in our lives. But the Shabbat was a reminder in another way. It reminded the Jews that they were once slaves in Egypt, but they are now free, that they have rest. The Sabbath was a reminder that they are now free people in their own land. Someone once said that the Sabbath was the first worker's bill of rights. God ordained this day to be a day of rest as an inalienable right for those who are created in the very image of God. I see, during Egypt's enslavement to Israel's enslavement to Egypt, there was no freedom of rest. But the Sabbath is God's weekly gift to remind them that the Jews are now free. They're no longer slaves. The New Testament expounds upon this and says, you know what? Jesus Christ is our rest. That whenever we enter into Christ and trusting him, we become free and find that rest we really long for. So what is the Sabbath? It simply means rest, a day of rest. It has both reward and reminder in it that God rested after the seventh, after the sixth day of work, and so, so do we. So here's another question. This is the most controversial, perhaps, of them all, is what day is it? What day is the Sabbath? Well, if you come from the Old Testament, we know it's Saturday. If you come from the New Testament, it is what day? Any day. Any day. You see, we typically get worship on Sunday, and we'll talk about that in a moment, because the New Testament talks about that. But the New Testament explicitly teaches that the Sabbath is not a day of the week, a given day. It's any day that you set aside. Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verses 4 and 6, One person regards one day above another, and another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to, for the Lord. If he's not clear there, he's even clearer in Colossians chapter 2. He says, therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regard to food or drink or in respect to festival or new moon or a Sabbath day. Things which are, listen to what he says, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. What Paul is saying is in the Old Testament, the Shabbat celebrated on Saturday was merely a shadow in which Christ is the fulfillment of. That he is the very fulfillment of the intention of the law giving us the seventh day to rest. And now that day of rest doesn't matter which day it is, much as there's one day that you commit to God, that you rest and you worship the Lord, that you cease from your activity one day out of the week and devote it to the Lord. For the Jews, it remains to be Saturday. For Muslims, that day can be a Friday. But for Christians, it's typically a Sunday. It doesn't matter, though, which day of the week, so much as what you do with that day of the week, that one day of the week you devote it to the Lord. Which leads us to the next question. Then why are you all here on Sunday? I mean, why don't we join on Monday? I was just thinking about that. Why don't we start church on Monday morning? Wouldn't that be great? 
No? Okay, well, just a suggestion. That's all right. But why do we worship on Sunday morning? Well, there are a number of reasons that the New Testament talks about. Let me give you a few of them. The most important reason is it's because Jesus Christ rose from the grave, rose from the dead on a Sunday, the very first day of the week. Mark chapter 16, verse 9 says this, Now after he, Jesus, had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene. Not only that, but the church was born over 2,000 years ago, was born on a Sunday. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when Pentecost took place, it was on a Sunday, the church was born. Jesus commissioned his disciples to preach the gospel around the world. Guess which day? On today, on Sunday. But not only that, the early church met regularly for meals and for worship on the very first day of the week. It is a pattern that the New Testament has established for us. It is not saying that Sunday is now the Sabbath for every Christian. It is simply saying Sunday is the day we worship because this is the day, most importantly, that Christ rose from the grave. And the reason we're here today, the reason we worship right now, is because today is tied to the reminder that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. He conquered sin and death in the grave itself when he rose back to life. And we take this day out of the week to remind us that thousands of years ago it was on a Sunday that Jesus rose from the grave. He is our conqueror over our sin, over death, over the grave, and he gives us new life in himself. That's why we worship today. In fact, every Sunday you come here, you need to remember that. Why do I come to church on Sunday? Because today I'm reminded that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. I'm not only looking back, but I'm looking forward as well, saying, you know what? One day, because Christ rose from the grave, he said, I will rise as well with him. The very fact that you're here today is the hope of the anticipation that one day you too, because of your faith in Christ, will rise again from the grave. So we worship on Sunday. Because this is the day that the New Testament teaches that many believers worshiped. But it doesn't have to be Sunday. It can be any day of the week that you set aside for the Lord. So it leads to the second question. How does observing the Sabbath help us maintain balance in our lives? Well, God is far more concerned that you observe this day than you learn to argue about it. He's more, more, far more concerned that we keep it holy than not. Remember what the Sabbath says? Remember the Sabbath, the Sabbath day, keep it holy. So what does holy mean? Holy means to be sanctified or set apart or different or unique. God says, I want you to set aside one day out of the week to serve as a reminder of your faith and a reward for your labor. The truth is this, that God owns every day of the week of our lives. He is sovereign over both our work as well as our rest but God wants us to set aside one day out of the week, one day that's different, to remind us that God is sovereign over all the days of our lives, all of our weeks. Just like our giving. On Sunday morning, you come here and you'll give in part, a portion of your offer, a portion of your funds. Why do you do that? Because God reminds us His word, the word to do that as a church family. And why are we to do that? Because as you give, it reminds you that you're merely a steward of all that God has given you, that he owns it all. And by you giving him a small portion, what really belongs to him, it's a reminder to you that, oh yeah, God owns it all. And I'm a steward of all that he has given me. And so we take one day out of the week to remind us 
that God is the most important relationship, that he is first in our lives, and that all of our days belong to him, not just on Sunday or Saturday or whatever day you choose to worship. So what does God want us to do with this day? What does God want us to do with the day of rest? I would suggest to you three things. One, to rest physically. Two, to be renewed emotionally. And three, to refocus spiritually. So first of all, to rest physically. I love this psalm. Psalm 127 says this, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early and to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. This psalm is saying a lot. It's simply saying this, though, is that God is in the efforts of our lives. If he is not in the efforts of our lives, what we build, what we do, even in our rest, then it is all in vain. What this psalm is reminding us, that unless you have the Lord in your work, unless you have the Lord in what you're doing in your lives, your life is pure vanity. There are some people, though, who think that they're too busy for God. They believe that their work will reward what their heart really hungers for. See, their thinking goes something like this. If I work hard enough, if I work long enough, I'll finally be able to rest. How many people are working toward retirement with that idea that one day I'll finally be able to rest? And how many people have you met who have retired and maybe the first two days are like, oh, I'm retired. But in the third day, they're going, now what? What am I going to do with the rest of my life? You see, in the Bible, there is no discussion of retirement. You never retire. You may change gears. You may change chapters. You may do things different. But there's no retirement in the Bible. You're still here to serve the Lord. But the point is this, is that we're to give a day to the Lord to have a day of rest. And when you find rest in that work, that rest comes from God. It's a gift from Him. And that physical rest serves as a reminder that the ultimate rest we desire can only come from Him. So we're to rest physically. We are to recharge emotionally. You ever spend an entire weekend maybe just lounging around physically, just resting? But when you go back to work the next Monday, you're emotionally uh, not you're, you're still emotionally drained? You feel as though you never rested at all? I once had a conversation with somebody who said it this way. They said, you know, I just had a sick of work day, and so I took a day off. I was so sick of work. And sometimes we need those days, don't we? But we need those days not only to recharge physically, but also to recharge emotionally. And if we don't recharge emotionally, if we don't take time just to back away from the normal routine of what we're doing, we find ourselves getting impatient, irritable. Our tolerance level goes down. Maybe, in fact, I'm talking about me and not you. I find that when I don't take time to recharge emotionally, I get a little irritable. I get impatient. My tolerance level drops. My hostility level rises. And I start not liking people. And that's just not a good thing for a pastor, is it? 
Jesus recognized this need for rest for his disciples. Jesus said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. You'll find that Jesus in his own spiritual disciplines oftentimes took time to be away quietly with God, just to rest, to be alone with him. So how do you recharge emotionally? Getting away is not enough. I would encourage you to spend some unhurried time in God's word. I cannot say enough how important it is for you to take this, your Bible, and invest unhurried, unrushed time pouring through what God says to you. This is God's love letter to you and to me. And when you take the time to slowly read through, say, Lord, you're speaking to me through your word. Would you open my eyes, open my heart, that as I spend this time with you, not only resting physically, but resting emotionally, being recharged, would you speak to me through your word? I wonder how many of us, when we have our devotions in the morning, feel rushed. We know all the projects that we want to be doing that day, and they're building in our thoughts. I gotta get this done, I gotta get that done, I got oh yeah, don't don't forget that too. And when you sit down with God, you say, God, okay, God, I only got three minutes. I thought I had five, but I only have three. And so you've got to make this quick. But God wants you to spend unhurried time with him. One of the best ways to do that is not only opening his word and praying and asking him, inviting him to join you this time to show you what he wants you to see, but to take a notebook. And start journaling those things that God is showing you in his word. One of the most powerful ways to take it with you for the rest of your day is to simply meditate on his word. Write it down. It will change your life. The book of Psalms is a wonderful example of this. As you read through David's psalms, some 75 psalms that he writes, as well as psalms elsewhere in the Bible. But you see David pouring his heart out to God, recording his thoughts, his words to God. Another way to spend this time to recharge emotionally is to spend time with your family. Can I say something to you, parents? You can never recapture today with your children. You'll never recapture today with your children. Once they're raised and gone, you can't say, oh, we're going to go back and we're going to do these things and do this and do that. That time is gone. You can never recapture time with your children. Once it's gone, it is gone. A day of rest needs to be a day with your family. The Jews would spend their Sabbath days with their families. The Sabbath day is to be a family day. One of the best ways to rest physically, to be recharged emotionally. Spend that time with your families. Spend that time with your families. Go home from here today and focus on things around your family, that you enjoy your family. Another way we can use this time is to refocus spiritually. Taking a day out of the week devoted to God, devoted to our family, helps keep in mind, to keep focus, what is really important. Why am I here? You ever wondered why God said, 
remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Why he says this of all the commands, remember. Do you know why he says remember? Because we're prone to forget, that's why. And when we forget what happens after a while, when you forget long enough, you begin to wander. And when you wander, you get lost. The problem for a lot of people, both believers and non-believers, is this, is that they have lost sight of what this day is really all about. And they've made Sunday a fun day. They've made this holy day a holiday. But what happens when you lose your purpose? When you forget your sense of purpose while you're here, you lose perspective of why you're here. Listen to these words of Jesus. He could not have been more sobering. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You need to ask yourself that question. What am I willing to give to gain the whole world and yet forfeit my soul? What can you give in exchange for your soul? What we tend to forget is the days you have here on earth are temporal. They're few in number. And today may feel like yesterday and the day before it may feel like the day before that. And it may feel like this, these days will never end. But let me tell you, one day they will. And what seems like a forever now will abruptly come to an end. And you'll enter into eternity. And the question you need to ask is this. What am I exchanging my life for? What am I exchanging my soul for? What am I exchanging my family for? What am I exchanging my time for? Unless Christ is central in your life, unless there is a time which you say, God, this day is yours, to remind me that every day is yours. It's a day to renew my perspective, to make you important, and to remember that I'm following you, my shepherd, so that I'm not lost. It's a day to refocus spiritually. I read about an old miner once who explained that he would take his mules out of the mine at least one day out of the week so they wouldn't go blind. For us, when we don't break away from the daily grind of life, whether workday or play, we don't spend time with God, we go blind in our souls. We need to have time, just time, with God with our family, to cease from our labors. The Bible says this, let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking the assembling together, as is this habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is a great day to come together to refocus spiritually. When you get done here today, I want to encourage you to go spend time with your family. Just spend time with them. You may be tempted to take up a project, go to work, do this or that. Spend time with your family. Spend time with God. It's not unusual for me to hear somebody say, you know, if they've missed Sunday morning, they'll say, you know, if I miss Sunday morning, it just feels like my week is just not the same. Something's missing. What is that something missing? They're missing the Lord. They're missing time to get refocused and recharged and rested in their lives. In the New Testament, Christians oftentimes ate meals together. 
And that's why it's important. After we finish our service today, downstairs there's going to be a time to eat, a time to enjoy a cup of coffee, a, a time to have juice, whatever is down there. But a time of enjoying a meal together. Do you know we do that intentionally every week? Because we realize the value of that time together. That there's ministry that takes place up here right now. But when you go downstairs, there's ministry that takes place down there as well. And that is an important part of your week. Our lives are so distracted and so separated digitally, as well as by the pace of living that we have, that unless we have those times marked out in our week on a regular basis of reconnecting, we'll lose touch with what God is doing in our lives. One of the best ways to do that is to enjoy a meal and fellowship downstairs with other believers. That's an important time. I want to remind you that if you haven't been a part of that time, you need to be downstairs. Go and enjoy that. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the fellowship. It's a great time to be recharged. But there's something else going on here that I want you to catch too. Dads, I want to speak to you specifically. It's one thing for you as a father, as a spiritual leader of your home, to say, you know, Sundays are important. God is important. But what kids really see in your life is not what you say is important, but what you do. And if your children don't see in your life that you're taking time to devote to God, to devote to family, but you say, on the other hand, church is important, Sunday is important, rest is important, but if you don't practice that in your life, what are you really teaching your children? Your children are going to catch your example more than anything else. So God says every seventh day, Take time to rest. Take time to recharge. Take time to refocus. Fathers, I couldn't say how important that is enough. You can never recapture that time with your children. It's gone. Once the day is gone, it's done. You cannot go back again. And yet, there's today. There's right now. Utilize the time that God has given you right now. Make the most of where God has put you. Interesting, when you buy a car, that there's usually a maintenance schedule to that car, a book in the car that tells you how to maintain that car so that it'll last a long time. When God gave us the Bible, that's really what he's doing, is he gave us a maintenance schedule of how to maintain our lives so it will last a long time, so we'll enjoy life as God has given it to us. I want to encourage you as you leave from here today, spend some time with the Lord. Refocus. Get recharged. Take time to simply rest and be with your family. So when is the Sabbath? The Sabbath is any day of the week. What is the Sabbath? It is a day of rest, a day of physical rest, a day of being recharged emotionally, a day of being refocused spiritually with the Lord. So what are your plans from here today? How have they changed after hearing what you've heard today? Spend time with your family. Spend time with God. I challenge you, if it's not your habit on a daily basis, to take your Bible. Daily spend time with God. But one day out of the week, just take time to reflect with God. Go for a walk. Spend time to say, God, I know you're in charge of my life. And I just want you to let you know that I know that. And I'm going to give you first place to my life. Will you show me how you want me to live?
Will you show me what, what you want me to do? And give God first place in your life. Some of you are here this morning and you're working hard in your life. You're trying to figure out, where am I going? What does it all mean? And you may have bought into the whole idea that if I work hard enough, if I work long enough, I'll finally find the rest that my heart desires. You'll never find it in your workplace. I have yet to meet somebody who on their deathbed said, you know, I wish I'd have spent more time at work. The reality is this. The only way you find true rest that your heart longs for is to place your trust in Jesus Christ, to turn from your sin and ask him to be your Lord and Savior of your life. You see, we're going to talk about next week. But the Sabbath is not about a day. It's not about a land. The Sabbath is about a person. Our ultimate rest is Jesus Christ. That's whom the Bible points to of the rest that our hearts really desire. If you've never trusted Christ, I want to encourage you to do that today. Danny's going to share with us in just a moment. We're going to walk through communion today. And while he does that, we're going to prepare our hearts for communion. But before we even do that, I want to give you the opportunity to turn to Christ right now and say, Lord Jesus, I recognize the rest that I need in my life is in you. It's not in my workplace. It's not in my occupation. It's not in my holidays. It's not in my vacations. It's in you alone. Will you pray with me? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you come before the Lord right now and say, Lord Jesus, how I need your rest. I long for rest that truly satisfies my heart, that satisfies my greatest need. And Lord, I recognize that you alone are that rest. And right now, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I ask, Lord, that you come into my life and be my Lord, my Savior, be the rest that I truly long for. There is no other rest to be found but in you alone. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So now, Lord, to the best of my ability, I give my life to you. There's so many questions I still have. And yet, Lord, I know I need to trust you with my life. So, Lord, as I take this step of faith, entering into your rest, I pray that you'd meet me now. And, Lord, that I'd be granted the rest of your forgiveness, the rest that brings a hope and a joy to my life, the rest that knows that I'm secure in you. Father, I pray for this rest. The rest that can only come from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, Lord, I pray, prepare our hearts as we remember what Christ did on the cross for us. As he made this rest available through his atoning work on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.